You're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. I walked by that that Banksy, the rat, and the wheel yesterday. It's just, you know, an old beat-up bank, and these people are standing outside taking pictures. I was walking by them. What are they taking a picture of? What's going on here? It's just a building. And then, uh, you know, subtly there's the the rat on a clock and looks like it's in a wheel. It's pretty good. Pretty good. 800-321-0710, the number to get involved as we welcome you to the show on a Friday night. You made it. St. Patty's Day weekend. Uh, So we'll have some fun with that. Tell you what's on tap later on the show. Uh, We'll, of course, get you all caught up with what's happening. Happening with the Mets, uh, a pitching scare for the Mets today, uh, which we will tell you all about. A productive day for Michael Conforto as well as he continues uh, to you know work his way back. And by next week, he should be playing in Grapefruit League games uh, with the New York Mets. A huge day for Jacob Degrom today. Uh, but we start with the NCAA tournament, and I'm loving this year's tournament. This is not uh, your typical, you know, the big. Top seeds just, you know, having their way with everybody else and there's no upsets and it's all chalk. I, I love rooting for the mid-majors. I get excited when, you know, the smaller schools are able to show their worth. Uh, these teams have such a, such a tough time getting into the NCAA tournament because they have to win their conference championship. They basically don't play a meaningful game until they get to the month of March. And yeah, you finally get in. You have the opportunity against a big time school and, you know, Buffalo knocking off Arizona. Last night in Arizona, just not showing up, but uh, Loyola, Chicago taking out Miami uh, to today. Now Marshall with a, a big win with uh, Dan D'Antoni uh, head coaching that team uh, and, and taking out, you know, Wichita State. All right. Maybe not a power five conference team in Wichita State, but still, you know, a team that we've seen do damage over the years in the NCAA tournament. But I, I love these upsets. I think this is what you tune in for. This is what you want to see. Uh, you don't necessarily want the final minute to take 18 minutes and 26 seconds like it did in the Marshall Wichita State game today. But yeah, this is what you sign up for and your bracket gets busted. So be it. I had my perfect bracket until about 9.43 p.m. last night, and then forget about it. You know, I got some Final Four teams still around. That's good, but hey, it doesn't matter. You want to see some excitement, some fun, and I'm all about the little guy. I'm about the little guy making a run and Buffalo taking out Arizona and having that moment. Now Buffalo's going to get to take a shot at John Calipari and Kentucky that's fun. Hey, Kentucky, Arizona would have been good too, but I am more than okay, you know, watching Buffalo, uh, take their shot. And they went by like 20 points last night over Arizona. At least they were leading by that much, uh, late in that game. That was ridiculous, but this is what I want to see. So I, I love these upsets. I want to see the madness. I want to see chaos. That's always what I root for if I don't have a team involved. And hey, we're talking about it before the show and our producer, Ray, 
Ray's like, oh, bad for the tournament, bad for the tournament. All the Terrible. top seeds should win. Everybody just wants to see chalk. I mean, come on, what fun is that, Ray? All I said, and I brought up George Mason, disaster once they got to the Final Four. Nice but they won four games uh, before that. Who cares? And all of a sudden, I don't want to sit there on Saturday night before the national championship game and have two blowouts. I mean, that ruins it. Well, sometimes when a team gets knocked out, sometimes it's a blowout, sometimes it's a close game. It, than- it can happen to anybody. Arizona got blown out. Last night, that's a power five team. Yeah, yeah. I, it's, it's, I, I would rather see them, and that has nothing to do with the fact that I had Arizona going to the final four. Well, it has everything to do with that, Ray. That's really what this it. is about. That's what this is all about. You're just angry at Miller and Arizona for not showing up. I want the big guys to play each other, and if they if you start ruining that, that's why I don't like the little ones. Okay? So, so Arizona, Kentucky, that would have been a fun. Yeah, matchup. that's what I want to see. I could care. Le- I couldn't care less about this game. Buffalo, you're out. Come on, I-, I can understand. Maybe you're skeptical about it, but halftime, that game is close. You're not more interested in that in the second half than you would have been in Kentucky, Arizona, to see if Buffalo could not only make it to the Sweet 16 but knock off Arizona and Kentucky on the way. I don't know if Buffalo will score enough points to match a combined Bills game score this year. That's pretty low. We yeah. saw the Bills this year. Well, that's not compelling to you. I don't. I don't get that. That's compelling. Buffalo. That's that's my team now. Marshall. I'm all about Marshall. Give me these guys. Give me you know kids having fun. How about Marshall today after the game? I love this. So Dan D'Antoni is the brother of Mike D'Antoni. He's coaching the game on the sideline. T-shirt and a blazer. Love it. T-shirts like this bright Marshall shirt, the Thundering Herd. It's great. He took off the blazer to do the post-game interview and, and listen to this excitement and what it, what it's all about. The post-game interview is the most boring thing in the world. But listen to Dan D'Antoni. <laughs> Real good. I don't know what else to say except it was fun. Tell my brother we beat his team. <laughs> yes! Go after Mike D'Antoni, James Harden, and the Houston Rockets. Call him out right now if you're Marshall. You're on top of the world. And then take out Kentucky or wherever you get lined up as well. Get it done, baby. And they can see uh, West Virginia. That would be a huge, huge time regional matchup down there. Marshall versus West Virginia. That's the fun of the tournament. That's the beauty of the tournament, Ray. You like and the Grinch? I because I, I, I want I want the big team. I am still mad last year. I didn't get that Duke, uh, the the Duke Villanova game. They all get knocked out early. I want to see those teams. That's what I want. All right, great. One guy goes a little bit okay. Win a round or two. These are fine. But after this, goodbye. Get the if you're not going to do a Butler and make it all the way to the championship game and actually perform in the championship game. Butler's I don't a great see example. There. I watched that entire championship game right, and, and I was team. in because it was Butler. Don't get to a point where all of a sudden, you know, you lay an egg. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it can happen to anybody, though. But Exactly. But you know what? I don't want to see this now. If all of a sudden, if all right, great. You know what I'll do? I'll, I'll, I'll say this. If Buffalo goes on and beats Kentucky, I'll never complain again. All right? I'll make that, I'll make that now. <laughs> if that does, because then I'm completely wrong. But I got a feeling that this is what's going to happen. All the one and donners in Calipari are going to run all over Buffalo, and we aren't even going to remember it. Now, you know? now, you'll never complain again. Does that mean, is that overarching, or is that just for this one But this argument? tournament. Just for this one argument that we're having right yes, now. Yes. And only yes. for this tournament, apparently. So you'll just start it up again next year. Right. But, no, Great. I, but it, just, it just doesn't... It just ruins it for me. It ruins the fact that I won't have that Saturday night with the marquee teams in there. 
And again, if you're going to be one of these little teams that get there, don't lay an egg. Hey, it's more if you get the close games are what's exciting, right? You want close games, so I understand you don't want you don't want to see the blowout. You're going to tune it out by halftime. But it's far more exciting if you get the close game with the little team that could. That is the way to go. Uh, but you know, Marshall, the big win today against Wichita State. Uh, they had a lot of fun with that. You have two 13 seeds moving on, knocking off number fours. One problem, though, as exciting as the upset might have been, the way it played out that final minute, it took 18 and a half minutes, according to Deadspin, to play out that final minute of action. And that's always been the joke in basketball, right? NBA, college basketball, I'll tune in for the last minute and I'll, I'll see everything I need to see. It was excruciating. There's replays left and right. And then your typical coaches' timeouts, free throws. Uh, I didn't feel like they left the game a ton, so you know I didn't watch the whole game. I kind of went in just watched that final minute or 18 and a half minutes, as it were. That's that's over the top, though. And it's replay, man. Replay just adds and adds and adds to all of these sports. And basketball's replay figured out the best, right? They go to it relatively quickly. It's 20 seconds, maybe 45 seconds, and they, they figure out, you know, who's it out of bounds on. Uh, the video, usually as I'm watching at home, I can't see anything when they're slowing it down, even frame by frame, as far as who it went out on. Uh, but, the, you know, the referees figure it out. Usually stays with what they called in the first place anyway. And you just lose 45 seconds. You have another timeout in the whole thing. Uh, I don't think you have to ban replay from basketball because it, it, it does, you know, serve a, a purpose there. But 18 and a half minutes to play the final, final minute is an exciting game. That's, that's a little extreme. That's a little much. 18 and a half. I, I got 14 minutes in me. 18 and a half minutes. We're we're watching a lot of replays, trying to see whose pinky touched the basketball before it went out of bounds. They had that in the Big East final too. The same thing with it, just sitting there and going back and forth, yeah. seeing if the pinky caused the ball to rotate a little bit. Look, if you can't figure it out in the first, you know, fifteen twenty seconds, then that should it's be. It's got to be clear. It's it really does, and and all these sports, basketball does it the best, I think, of all the sports. But uh, even even then, it can drag on you when you have a sport that already does drag uh, at the most compelling times. They've done some things, taken away some timeouts to try to speed that up, but uh, you certainly felt it today. Uh, 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Uh, yeah, do, you, do you like the upsets, or do you think, eh, yeah, it's fun for a moment, and then I'm not going to watch Marshall. I don't have time to watch Buffalo against Kentucky. Uh, 800-321-0710. We'll get you caught up on the Mets as well. Another busy day. Jacob DeGrom dominant today. Michael Conforto a productive day, but the Mets did have a scare as far as the health of one of their pitchers goes. Uh, we'll tell you about that when we come back. This is Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Uh, we'll keep you updated on what's happening in that NCAA tournament uh, throughout the show as games go final. Uh, and uh, we'll take some calls, too. Again, 800-321-0710. Uh, a busy day for the Mets, though, as we uh, head down to Port St. Lucie, what's happening in Florida. We will have Matt Ehalt, uh with us uh, of the record uh, with us at 7.05 for the Mets Spring Training Report. But a couple of things that went down today. One, uh, pitching injury scare. Now, if you remember a year ago, it was about a year ago today, 
That was the last time until, you know, now, but uh, a year ago today, the last time you saw Noah Syndergaard, Jacob DeGrom, Matt Harvey, Stephen Matt, Zach Wheeler, all starting games from the Mets. They're able to do it consecutive games, and uh, things were going well in Mets camp health-wise this time a year ago. And then it was those final two weeks before opening day that suddenly Seth Lugo's going down, uh, that, uh, you know, Juan Lagares gets hurt, and then the pitcher started to drop like flies once the season began so it can happen quickly and and all you want for the Mets is for them to get to the finish line of spring training in one piece especially with that rotation you don't want to lose anybody for a significant portion of time in spring training the Mets have dealt with this in the past it's uh it's not a whole lot of fun and right now while you have a number of players coming off of injury and pitchers so the expectations aren't what they were for a lot of these guys at this time last year uh they are still together they're still going out there and making their starts, uh, but they did have a scare today. Jason Vargas, the he's supposed to be the durability guy, you know, the one who gives them the innings, who takes the ball every five days. Uh, he got hit by a comebacker. Not much he could do about that, uh, but needed x-rays on his non-pitching hand, and uh, I'm sure the Mets let out a sigh of relief when those x-rays came back negative. Uh, so, you know, we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of days and what kind of, you know, time Vargas might miss, but you would think that they dodge losing anybody prior to opening day, which would have not been the end of the world for the Mets if it wasn't serious because, or, you know, lengthy kind of absence for Vargas, but you have Wheeler, you have Mats, both of them are competing for the fifth spot in the rotation. Mats is ahead, clearly right now. Uh, he's going to start a game on Monday, whereas Wheeler will either start a minor league game or pitch in relief after Steven Mats, according to Mickey Callaway today. So, you know Mats has that number five spot as long as he pitches decent the next couple of times out. And, you know, it'll be Zach Wheeler probably heading down to AAA Las Vegas. They have a, a little bit of depth there, but... For the Mets, you just want to get through spring training in one piece, right? You don't want any of these injuries getting worse. Uh, you might be concerned about you on Cespedes right now, and we'll get the update on him from Matt Ehalt, but uh, he is not scheduled to play in any games until at least Monday now after he had a cortisone injection and in a sore right wrist uh, that's preventing him from swinging, from throwing. Uh, so we'll have more uh, on Cespedes coming up a, a little bit after 7.05. But today overall, you got to say it was a good day, and, and Jacob the was dominant eight strikeouts five scoreless one hit no walks I mean phenomenal and we'll hear from him in a little bit but the big thing to me today Michael Conforto able to get back to game action playing a minor league game but it's not batting practice it's not hitting off a tee it's real life action it's where you can't get crossed up and coming off a shoulder injury like he is you know that first time you have to check swing That'll be the test for that surgically repaired shoulder and how it's going to hold up. And Conforto, a couple of walks, some solid at-bats, no hits uh, in that minor league game, but he survived it. He got through it. Uh, He was okay, and here's Conforto and how the game went today. Uh, It was good. It was a good uh, first step, um, step in the right direction. Um, It's good to see some pitches and, and, you know, actually have a competitive situation. Um, I thought it was Swung at strikes. That was my one goal going in. Just make sure I'm, I'm swinging at strikes. You know, good good habits from the beginning. Timing's a little off, but you know that's to be expected. First time out there, and 
Um, so I mean, it's just it's exciting for me to be able to, you know, I get to go do that again tomorrow, and um, we'll see where it goes from there. So the physical stuff seems fine for Conforto, which is good. It sounds like somebody's first spring training game, right? Trying to get that timing, trying to work some things out, but nothing as far as the shoulder goes. Uh, also asked, you know, does he feel back to normal? I don't feel anything in there. Um, you know, I'm not stiff in the morning. Uh, at this point, I'm pretty much going through my normal routine in the, in the cage and stuff. Um, so, you know, I, it feels like it never happened, but, you know, um, I got to pay attention to it. You know, I got to be aware of it and, um, you know, just make sure I'm doing all the right things. And what are those things that Conforto has to do as part of his rehab? Shoulder stability work, um, you know, just kind of having that in my mind, knowing that, um, you know, I got to be aware of um, if there's any, you know, tightness in the back side over here. That's what the, the surgeon said. Just make sure you're aware of if there's any tightness in the back. Um, there hasn't been. Um, you know, I, if I continue to do my stability stuff, my exercises and all that, uh, it should be okay. So a good day for Conforto, right? He gets back in a minor league game. He's expected to play in a Grapefruit League game next week. Uh, the target date has been May 1st for the last few months. Remember, there was talk he could be back by opening day earlier in the offseason. I think that gave a little cushion for Conforto where there's no need to rush. Uh, and he could be back before May 1st. You know, he's going probably need some at-bats down the minor leagues, go through his spring training, and then, you know, maybe by April 20-something, uh, he's up helping out the Mets, and, and he's an important piece uh, for this team. There's no doubt about it. When he is right, he's the best hitter on the Mets. I put him over Ioannis Cespedes based on you know what we've seen from Conforto when he's going right. He can hit for a higher average. He's more selective at the plate. He doesn't have the same power as Cespedes, but uh, he could be you know good on the base paths as well. There's a lot of things Michael Conforto uh, can add to this team, and you know that's going to be huge for the Mets because, yes, they need a, a big-time season from Ioannis Cespedes in the middle, but it can't just be Cespedes carrying this whole offense. And the only other player who can truly carry a team for a, a while offensively is Michael Conforto. He hasn't carried the Mets uh, you know, to this point in his career, but he has that kind of talent. He has that kind of ability. He has that kind of swing. You know, you don't have that in, you know, Jay Bruce, Todd Frazier, Adrian Gonzalez to a much lesser degree. But you know, those are veterans. Those are you know, complimentary players. They're not role players. They're starters, but they're complimentary. They're, you know, guys that hit after and protect. They are guys that could do a little bit of damage, but they're not going to carry a team for two weeks at a time like a star player can. And Michael Conforto uh, is a potential star for this Mets team. It's pivotal to get him right, get him healthy, have him back you know, as soon as you can without rushing him too much. But it sounds like everything's going as well as you can ask uh, right now for Michael Conforto. Interesting contract signed today in Major League Baseball that you know, maybe could affect the future of one Michael Conforto and how long uh, he could stick around with the Mets. We'll tell you about that. 800-321-0710. The number, again, 800-321-0710. We'll mix in some calls when we come back. We'll have Matt Ehalt covers the Mets uh, every day for the record. Uh, he's down there at Port St. Lucie. We'll chat with him as part of our Mets spring training report coming up at 7.05. Plus, your chance to win $1,000 coming up at 7.05. That's a big minute for you. It's all coming up right here on The Voice of New York, 710-WOR. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. Right, interesting contract in Houston as Jose Altuve, the reigning AL MVP, 
gets a five-year, $151 million extension from the Houston Astros. He still had two years to go until free agency, so that's a a big-time extension. He he got paid in a big way. Interesting, though, his agent, Scott Boris. Boris, historically, right, always brings his clients to free agency, tries to get every dollar he can. Well, who had the most clients that ended up settling for lesser deals over the last few weeks it was Scott Boris. And is there a little more willingness now after seeing what happened uh, this past offseason for him to you know, advise some guys, hey, you comfortable where you are? Sign up long term, get it done, you know, while you can. And again, it's not like this is thirty million dollars a year. Uh, Jose Altuve is getting paid in a big time fashion, so it's not as if uh, you know they're settling for anything here. Uh, but I think it's just something a little bit different that you see uh, as far as the Mets go. You know, Matt Harvey would be a Boris client at this point. He's only one year away from free agency, and the Mets will let him uh, take his uh, take his cuts there. But Conforto is the interesting guy now. You know, he's still got a long time until he becomes a free agent. But if Conforto pick puts up another season like last year and he gets through it healthy and is able to bounce back from the shoulder surgery to the point where you don't worry about it much going forward, that's the kind of guy you want to lock up. That, that's a I think Conforto is a franchise type of bat, uh, someone that can hit in the middle of your lineup. You know, it's always been number three is the big spot, right? Keith Hernandez always talking about in the SNY broadcast. He wants to see Conforto three. But now it's two. You know, that's where a lot of the best hitters, wherever it is, he'll be hitting somewhere two, three, uh, and, and for the Mets for a long time, uh, as long as, you know, he could bounce back healthy. And it seems like he's on the right track right now. But something interesting there. Uh, also, with how much Altuve did get paid, if I'm Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, I'm not sweating what happened. This past offseason. And even if you look at this past offseason, you Darvish still did well. A lot of the star players that are on the younger side still got paid. Uh, Bryce Harper, Manny Machano are going to make a boatload of money this offseason. Will Harper get the $400 million we were predicting, or at least I was predicting last year? Uh, I think he still finds it. I do. I, I think he's going to get an incredibly long deal and because he's a difference maker. He's as close as baseball has to a superstar right now, right? As a guy who crosses over, he's more of a face of Major League Baseball than you know Aaron Judge at this point has been at it for a while. So I think Harper's just a total game changer in that way where you know there is a, a premium that you're paying for. But if you're Josh Donaldson and you're going to be, I think he'll be about 33 when he hits free agency, that's the guy that has to worry that he's not going to get what he might have in the past as teams start to... Get a little wiser, uh, perhaps, about some of these uh, long-term deals. But 800-321-0710, the number to get involved. Again, 800-321-0710. George in Red Bank. How are we doing, George? Hey, Pete. Good to talk to you again. How are you? Good, good. What's going on? Good. Good. Uh, you know, some positive and negatives so far, I guess, with the spring training. You know, I guess you can't really look at the wins and losses because half the guys aren't playing, so I'm hoping that, once the normal people start getting in the lineup, we'll start, you know, start to see some of these big, big bats go. Uh, but you know, the, you know, how fragile Cespedes is being. Hopefully, this is, you know, precautionary. It looks like he's going to be getting into a game this week. Um, but uh, you, you just have to be ecstatic on what you're seeing from Syndergaard and Degrom. Like these guys, honestly, can compete with any of the top two people in the league. Mm-hmm. It's just after that, 
then what? All right, Harvey's showing, you know, that maybe he's somewhat back to where he, you know, could be. I don't, you know, hopefully it keeps going from there. But where do you see, you know, the rest of the pitchers, you know, with Mats and Wheeler? You know, Harvey's going to be in the rotation. Vargas is going to be in the rotation. Mats will. Who do you see stays up? Who do you see goes to the bullpen or goes back to the minors? Yeah, I think Mats is going to be the fifth starter. Mats will be the fifth starter. Luke Owen gets Selman to the pen and Zach Wheeler to AAA. That's the way it seems to set up right now. And what's going on with Schwarzak? Is he coming back? I know he's starting to throw again. Is he? Uh, yeah, he threw he gonna... a simulated game for a couple of innings uh, yesterday, I believe it was. So, you know, that calf injury, it seems that he's on the way back. We're under two weeks to opening day. I would think that's enough time for uh, Schwarzak to, to be back and, and be part of this Mets bullpen. So, you know, I wouldn't worry too much about him right now yeah Cespedes with this uh right wrist we'll talk with Matt Ehalt and get uh his opinion of how it looks you know, on the ground there in Port St. Lucie and and how worried the Mets are should be uh you know the thought was he would play this weekend but apparently he doesn't want to travel to Sarasota Florida so he's looking at Monday now to get back in a game uh we're getting close and you know, the other thing you bring up is how bad the Mets have been record-wise over the course of the spring. They've been the worst team in Major League Baseball in spring training. They tied today, so they're now 5-15-3. and three. I believe their winless streak is probably, I think it's a 10 now. Uh, it's either 9 or 10. I think it's 10. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're not winning games. But this is part of, I think what we knew about the Mets is they don't have a ton of minor league talent at the top of the minors at AAA and AA. They don't have that major league ready talent waiting there. So who's playing half the games to this point? It's those, you know, back end minor leaguers. And, you know, they gave a bunch of at bats to Tim Tebow as well. I think that's what you're seeing. Now, the Mets haven't played Chris Baseball. And I'm not going to tell you they have. Mickey Calloway has uh, complained about it as well as he did, you know, this past weekend. Uh, I want to see that turn around about now. That last week, that's when it's real baseball. That's when you just want to see Chris baseball. I thought today, I didn't watch the whole game, but I watched about five innings. I thought the defense was a heck of a lot better. Med Rosario made some great plays. He had a you know a line drive. There was a bullet. He was able to jump up and grab. And then there was a ball that a comebacker deflected off of Robert Kesselman. Rosario was able to charge it, barehand it behind the mound, and throw the guy out of first base. That's a Big-time play from shortstop. That's the kind of play you've seen against the Mets a hundred times over the years, and you've never seen a Mets player make, at least not a Mets shortstop. That's what I'm excited about with Rosario, what he could do defensively. Offensively, uh, you know, from what I've seen, he's pulling off the ball a little bit. Uh, you know, what we saw last year, he didn't have great command of the strike zone. He chased a lot of pitches that were away, but... Rosario offensively, if he gives you something, I think you're relatively happy with that. You hope that builds as the years go on. But defensively, he can be a huge difference maker. This was an awful, awful defense last year. And that left side of the infield was abominable. Now, Todd Frazier's a solid defensive third baseman. Ahmed Rosario can be a real good defensive shortstop so he is someone that I, I really believe could be a difference maker just with the defense this is something we talked about a lot last year now I thought if they called him up earlier his defense you know might have he wouldn't have saved the season but might have helped them out help them win some extra games uh the defense is eye-popping you see that you know he's still raw he made some mistakes made some errors last year but um you know he's 
he's someone that can give the Mets something they just haven't had in an extremely long time. You know, Ray Ardonez is the last true defense-first shortstop that they've had. And, and Rosario, theoretically, he doesn't have to be defense-first, but let me just say plus defender, you know, above-average defender at that shortstop position. That's that's a big thing to have, and that'll help the pitching staff in a big way. Uh, but Jacob deGrom, Noah Syndergaard have been unbelievable. They have been aces uh, so far this spring training, and it's like one trying to top the other without actually trying Syndergaard throwing 101 that first game against the Astros. People complain about that. Fine, he dials it back a little bit, but still well enough to to rack up the strikeouts. And today, Jacob deGrom, five innings, one base runner, eight strikeouts against the Miami Marlins. He only needed 55 pitches to strike out eight in five innings. You're not going to do a whole lot better than that. It's against the uh, Orioles today. Uh, So terrific from deGrom and this is what Jacob had to say about his uh, second start of spring training. Thing was just trying to stay smooth out there and work on all my pitches, and I was actually able to throw them probably better than I thought I was going to be able to. So um, my curveball is good today, which you know that's always kind of a work in progress. But um, like I said, the main thing was just stay, try to stay smooth out there today. No hum, just trying to stay smooth, just making it easy. So in ninety-eight, striking out eight, five scoreless innings, one hit, no walks. Syndergaard and DeGrom can be unbelievable this year. And this is why this past offseason, you can't punt it if you're the Mets. you got to be aggressive. you got to give yourself a chance to let those two guys carry you. And, and they, Cespedes, Conforto, there's enough star power on this Mets team that they could be dangerous. Now, there's risk with all those guys. DeGrom's been hurt in the past coming off a 200-inning season, which was his first, you know, real healthy year. Uh, for Syndergaard, banged up most of last year. Cespedes, Conforto, both hurt last year. But if those four, if the Mets can keep four of them healthy for, let's say, 120-plus games, right? That's what you're looking at for Conforto, Cespedes, for, you know, Syndergaard, DeGrom. You want them each making, you know, 25 starts. If they can get that from all four of them, they'll be a wild-card team. They have that kind of talent. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, you're making some bets against a, a bad shoulder, against the bad legs of Cespedes, now the right wrist, and you're counting on two pitchers to to stay healthy. But Syndergaard, DeGrom, boy, they have been fantastic. And Syndergaard will get the opening day nod because DeGrom had the, the stiffness in his back. But, you know, DeGrom will be there soon after uh, to, to make a start in, in the Mets rotation. And, um, you know, those two can really be dynamic and, and call back some glory days potentially. And Syndergaard really could be someone that you just, you haven't seen anyone be that dominant in in years uh, in a Mets uniform. And you're going back to like Doc, I think if Syndergaard can stay healthy and really build on what he is you know, what his stuff is and get to that next level of you know, learning how to pitch and you know, take something off here and there and, and not everything be max effort uh, but that's uh, that's a big step that he could take, and and boy, I mean, it does get you excited. And it's spring training; it's time for some optimism. And uh, the Mets they can provide it as much as they drive you nuts and drive you up a wall. Uh, there is there's plenty of talent on this team, even coming off a seventy win year. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. We'll have our Mets spring training report coming up at seven oh five. It's a sports zone with Pete McCarthy on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. We're back in the W O R Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. 
Uh, fun finish, NCAA tournament with Nevada and Texas. Texas up three in the final minute. I uh, had a chance to, to pretty much ice it. Kid missed the front end of a one and one. You leave that door open for Nevada and, uh, they hit. Uh, a big free throw late uh, after getting a, a big rebound. So for uh, Texas, Nevada, they ended up going to overtime, and then Nevada took care of business there, 87-83 over Texas. So Shaka Smart and the Longhorns booted from the NCAA tournament. Let's grab some Mets calls here. We'll have Matt Ehall to the record coming up at 7.05 for the Mets Spring Training Report, plus your next chance to win $1,000 coming up at 7.05. So you want to stick around right here on 710 WOR. Uh, let's grab some calls. Joe in Richmond, Virginia. What's up, Joe? Hey, Joe. Pete, what's going on? How we doing? Hey, I got a qu- quick question. See, every year I go and buy the MLB package, and the last couple of years, you know, it's been a little bit disappointing by... Uh, by uh, also break. So I just wanted to get your opinion. You think it's going to be different this year? I think no? they're relevant. I think they're relevant up to the trade deadline. Absolutely. Oh, and also, I'm also an uh, East High School alum. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's my school, baby. Yeah, 90, yeah 96, buddy. All right, so uh, we didn't cross over there. I'm 02, but, but we were around. I was across the street for a year when you were a senior. Nice, buddy. All right, Joe. All right, thank you. Thanks for calling in, man. Uh, Joe in Richmond by way of East Islip, my uh, my hometown there. So, um, But, yes, as far as the Mets go, I don't think that they're competing with the Nationals. I will not talk about the Nationals against the, the Mets in that way. I don't think the Mets are close to the Nationals. It'll be fun that first week of the season they get a shot uh, at the Nats, and it looks like Jacob deGrom could end up making the start in the Nationals' home opener, which will be April 5th, the Thursday afternoon. I think the Nationals are always the measuring stick for the Mets, because who else are you going to measure yourself against uh, in that division? But I, I don't think the Mets are close to that, but I do think they're a wild-card contender. I think they're very much in the mix with teams like you know the Cardinals, the Rockies, the Diamondbacks, uh, you know, the Brewers surprised the last year. Can they, you know, do it again? I think the Mets are squarely in that class, and those are the kind of teams that they're going to be competing with throughout the year. And to me, all you can ask is to be in a position to make a move at that trade deadline. And the Mets, they don't, they're not loaded with prospects on the farm, but you have another three months for it to play out for some guys to emerge. And if you're close, you make the big move, whatever it's going to be. The Mets, uh, they have enough talent that if they are healthy and in it, that's where they got to you know, get some things done. And, and who knows what that piece is going to be. I don't think it's evident right now, hey, this is the gigantic hole on the roster. It might end up being first base. It might be a bullpen arm. Maybe they end up needing more starting pitching even after signing Jason Vargas recently. But whatever it is, you go out, you get it, and you, know, you hope for Yohan Assessment 2.0, right? When he provided uh, a few years back. Uh, Steve in Congress. What's up, Steve? Hey, Dylan Peak. Uh, enjoy the show. Thanks. Um, I just really disagree when you're talking about Cespedes a couple of days ago, you know, with the, wearing a hat backwards, like laying down on the ground and the monotony, and you need to break it. Um, you know, I'm a little bit older. Um, when you're running the team and you're a leader, you work harder than everybody else. It's a horrible example to set. And uh, there's no excuses for behavior like that, and it shouldn't be tolerated. I don't see it as problematic because he's wearing his hat backwards. That's bad he, influence on everybody the, else. The, the article also pointed out like he was like laying on the, on the grass and they'd hit him and he'd get up. 
Yeah, which is something to make the fly balls more challenging. And that uh, I've heard since that Pete, that's Pete, a drill Pete, that Pete, some Pete, high school coaches Pete, utilize. Pete, Pete, that, that's a younger view of it. It's it's a breakdown of the discipline, and it, you know you got to realize if you ever coach the youth team, mm-hmm. you you everybody is equal. There is no stars, and everybody should be treated the same. And that's and and here's the main thing about practice. You practice what you do in the game. You're never going to be on the ground getting ready to shed a fly ball. That's inexcusable. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it doesn't. It, it doesn't bother me. I understand your point, Steve, and, and thanks for calling in. But you're never going to have a, a situation where everybody is truly treated the same way when you get to the professional level. Uh, you know, it, it sounds great, but it never works in in practice unless you know you're going to be willing to just. Trade away Cespedes, which you can't anyway. He's got a no trade. But th- these are the, the power that the player has over a coach that you don't have in youth sports. And, you know, you hope you teach these kids these lessons, right, in youth sports. So, you know, there aren't problems, uh, you know, when they get older. But I don't see Cespedes as a problem for the Mets as far as leadership goes. He's not David Wright. Nobody's ever confusing him with David Wright. He's getting paid more than anybody on the team. Uh, you know, there are some guys that are going to you know imitate some of what he does. But the, the one thing that I have an issue with that does show itself on the field is, you know, not running to first base after a strikeout. Uh, you know, little hustle things that you notice with him. And you start seeing other players, you know, dogging it every once in a while. That's problematic. But I haven't noticed that from you know Mets players over the years. I haven't noticed guys not taking things seriously and, and taking that lead from Cespedes. It could happen this year, but I haven't seen it yet. And if it wasn't going to happen last year, you know, when, when's it going to happen? 800 The number to get involved. Well, Matt Ehalt with more on Cespedes uh, as far as his physical health.